I want to thank you for the warm welcome that you've extended me, whether that be through emails, messages, dropping things off at the rectory, whether that be the Knights of Columbus dropping off a bed, or people dropping off baked goods or even paper plates before we had a chance to get in hard plates. Um, trust me when I say your, your welcome has gone a long way as I settle in here. I also just want to say how humbled and honored I am that Bishop Hicks have asked me to be your pastor. I'm excited to be here. I've talked a lot on the phone. Well, first of all, it goes back all the way, John Haniotis, now Father John Haniotis, one of my best friends who did internship here a number of years ago. Father Michael Carney, who served here as a deacon. Chris Lankford, who I know well from seminary, who was, is from this parish, Father Steve Borello, and of course, talking to Father Burke these last couple months uh, a lot. <laughs> I'm particularly blessed to be a pastor at a parish that has a school, especially one as fine as this one. I shared with the teachers as we had a chance to gather most of them on Friday morning that they can expect me to be in the classrooms often teaching, or if not in the classrooms, out on the recess, throwing a football high, walking on my hands. I even intend to keep my undefeated record going against the first and second graders in a race. <laughs> I am undefeated. Four years now. Four years. Three things this on this first weekend here. A little bit about myself. Three promises that I want to make to you. And convictions that drive me. So first, a little bit about myself. I'm from Elwood, born and raised there. We have a hog farm there in Elwood. My dad still farms on the farm, started by grandpa with his seven, seven brothers there on the farm. I grew up, like many of you, going to mass. I had a very strong faith-filled family, but for me, most of my childhood was coming to mass reluctantly, staring at the walls, staring at the ceilings, even bitter and mad that I was there. I can't say that I worshiped God growing up. I worshiped sports. You name the sport, I played it. Basketball, baseball, volleyball, golf. If I wasn't playing one of those sports, I was watching sports. Pretty much every Chicago team except for one of them. Now, you know where Father Burke's allegiance lies with being chaplain of the Cubs, but it's important for you to know that him and I are different with regards to this in the sense that he'll root for the White Sox. Me, on the other hand, when the Sox are doing well and the Cubs are doing poorly, I struggle with the sins of bitterness and envy. <laughs> so right now, you need to pray for me. But I worship sports. Junior year in high school, I had an encounter with, with Christ through the scriptures where the Lord convicted my heart to begin to try to put him at the center of my life. And I continue to strive to do that. Sometimes I don't always succeed in doing that. I ended up receiving an accounting degree at Olivet Nazarene University, and while I was at Olivet Naz Nazarene, I, I, I struggled a lot in my Catholic faith to the point where I almost left the Catholic faith. There were a lot of questions I had. I had one foot out the door. Obviously, I, I remained Catholic. I went on and 
to University of Nebraska for two years, did campus ministry with focus. And there is where I heard the call to be a priest, of which that I ran from and denied and hid from because the thought of being a priest scared me to death. Finished my first three years as a priest at Our Lady of Mercy in Aurora, and now just coming off as one year at St. Mary's in Mokina. There's a lot more to the story, which I plan on hopefully getting out this week on our Notre Dame YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel here at Notre Dame, subscribe when you get in the car, because that is one way that I plan to communicate to you is through our YouTube channel. So on to three promises I want to make to you this morning. I guess maybe before I make those promises, I want to start off by saying what I can't promise. I obviously can't promise you tons of, of experience. I've got three days under my belt as a pastor, okay? Now, I'm not as young as I look, though, okay? As someone mistaken me as an altar server when I was just wearing my alb. Okay? <laughs> or as I was moving in and someone said, what's your name, kid? And I said, I'm your new pastor. What's your name? And we had, we had fun over that, of course. But maybe in general, but maybe more so with re because of that, I can't promise you that I won't make mistakes. I'll make plenty of them. And that's why I take great comfort in our second reading today when Paul's writing to the, to the community of which he started in Corinth. He's visited there two times. This is the second time he's writing them. And he's sharing with them the words of which the Spirit gave him. And he's writing this in this letter. And he says, the Lord says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness, Paul. And that's comforting to me to hear that on this, this first weekend as I take the reins here as your shepherd because I'm not perfect and I'm sure to disappoint many of you, if not all of you at some point over the years that I'm here. But he is perfect and he never disappoints. And so that is why I intend to always point you to him at all costs. And that is my first promise, to, send my, to spend my days sacrificing, giving everything that I have to point you to him. Secondly, I also promise from this day on to pray for you every day. I am fully aware that we live in a world that has become extremely secular and the pull from our culture is especially strong. And it's making it extremely difficult for you and your families, for us as a parish community to put Christ at the center of which there are no exceptions of which we must do. And the secular culture makes that incredibly hard to do. I'm going to do everything I can to support families and strengthen marriages of which are under attack in our secular culture. And that starts with me with praying for you. The image I have is me as your priest, as shepherd and pastor is propping you up with my prayers every day on my knees for you. Praying for you, especially here at this altar. That's what a priest does. A priest 
takes the prayers of his people and he offers them and he gives them to God. He presents them to the Father, especially at Mass. A priest offers sacrifice. That's what a priest does. And the last promise, I also promise to do my best to faithfully teach all of what the church teaches, whether it's popular or not. It's clear that the world and the gospel values are not linked together, and it's becoming more and more of a dichotomy, more and more evident. In these unsettling times, we need to, the truth and the clarity of the gospel. My job is not only to teach what the church teaches, but why the church teaches what she teaches, because the truth of the gospel sets us free. Which leads me to, lastly, the convictions that drive me. The first conviction is this, and that is that the world right now is crying out. There's troubling trend that we see in America. There's recently an article published in the Washington Post that pointed to the fact that there's three straight years now, life expectancy in the United States has declined. In the United States of America, with all the techno technological advances that we have in modern medicine, the life expectancy in the U.S. has declined for the first time in 100 years. The last time, 1917, 1918, 1919, World War was going on and a flu pandemic. The sociologists point to the fact that the life expectancy in the U.S. has declined now for three straight years because of drug overdoses, suicides, and liver cirrhosis. My generation is literally drinking themselves to death. There is no hope outside the gospel in Jesus Christ. But with Jesus, there is hope. The gospel of Jesus Christ has transformative power and people are longing and dying to hear it. And so lastly, leads to the, just the conviction that I believe that the Lord wants to do big things at this parish in the years to come. To be a light, to be a magnet for those to hear, to see the people that go here, to hear us who are starving for answers of what is life, why do I exist? to hear the transformative power of the gospel. But we must go on mission. First personally by putting Jesus Christ at the center of our lives and then also as a parish. And we will go on mission. As this church does not exist here for those that are here, but for those that are outside these walls that are not yet here, maybe your children, maybe your grandchildren, your neighbors, who don't know the transformative power of the gospel. And it starts here at this altar. The sacrifice that happened 2,000 years ago on the cross is made present at this altar, at this mass, at every mass throughout the world. Calvary is represented on this altar, which is where our salvation was won for us. Again, it is a tremendous joy 
for me to be with you, to be your pastor. And I will count on your prayers daily that my heart as your shepherd is more and more conformed to the hearts of the good shepherd.